and be glad in it. Welcome to Christian Life this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and just ask for God's strength, His help, His touch, His anointing to bless both services today. Could you pray with me right now, Father, in the name of Jesus? We love you so much. We're thankful for your goodness, for your love, your mercy, your strength, your power. I just pray your blessing and your anointing 
to flow in this house, God. Not my will, but thy will be done. Do what you want to do. God, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Bring peace, I pray. Bring peace, I pray. Have your way there. Have your way there. Have your way here, Lord. Anoint and bless. Draw by your spirit, Lord, I pray. Add to the church daily such as should be saved. Somebody say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord together today in Jesus' name.
Come on, let's magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords right now. Hallelujah. 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 You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. If you could right now, why don't you just join hands with your neighbor and maybe slip your hand upon your neighbor's shoulder. Let's pray one for another right here in the opening and just ask the Lord's touch and his blessing and his help and his strength upon our hearts and our minds right now. Come on, pray one with another. In the name of Jesus right now, minister and move by your presence, by your power, by your spirit. Help us, Lord, to be more like you. Help us, Lord, to be more like you. I pray in the name of Jesus. Move and minister, move and minister by your spirit. Pour out your spirit in our homes. Pour out your spirit in our families. Pour out your spirit in our lives, we pray. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. We want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to be more like you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Gal, could we turn it to praise right now? God, we give you all the glory. Give you all the honor. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. None like the Lord. None like the Lord. We are so glad to have each and every one of you in the house this morning. Why don't you take your time right now. Turn to two or three, four or five high fives, fist bumps, handshakes. Good to see everybody in the house. Take your time. Hallelujah. Greet somebody. Greet somebody. today you can give by way of cash or check in the black offering bucket in the back you can also give online clcsugarland.com you can also text to give at 281-612-7707 and god loveth a cheerful giver god bless you in advance for your thankful faithfulness to giving to god through christian life god bless you we're going to dismiss our children at this time junior high class is in the 9 a.m this morning so we'll dismiss them as well and everyone else Everyone else will stay right here. Welcome, welcome, welcome again to Christian Life. We're leading people to become fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do this through next steps. It's fine, belong, grow, serve, fine, fine relationship. And I've got a ring up here. Uh, fine relationship with God. 
find relationship with God and belong. We connect together. We connect together. I got a ring up here. If that could be fixed, it'd be great. Uh, we connect together, <clears throat> and uh, we do this primarily through small groups. And I want to thank all the small group leaders, all the small group leaders for for uh, making our small groups the success that they are. And uh, if you are a part of a small group, keep keep going to it and keep being faithful and keep connecting. And God is doing great things. We're not an island unto ourselves. And that's where individuals sometimes miss it. Yes, coming to church is right. Yes, praying is right and all that stuff. But we need each other. We need each other. We can't do this alone. We can't do it by ourselves. Iron sharpeneth, sharpeneth iron. And uh, we get together and we connect together. Yes, there's a little bit of prayer, and yes, maybe a little bit of, uh, of Scripture, and, and, and for some of them, their Bible study and such. Mine is, is a very short time of, of encouragement, very short Scripture, and, and then prayer, and then, and then a lot of fun. So it's all about connecting. It's, it's not about whatever the, the subject matter is on that small group. We're trying to get folks together to connect together. You connect, and, and you get a support group around you, Things go a whole lot better, and then when times are down, and 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 you've got somebody else to lean on, somebody else to to pick you up, and if nothing else, just coming together with people like Precious Faith, and, and maybe not even addressing the issue, sometimes you just leave better, you just leave uplifted, you just leave leave encouraged, and and uh, that's what it's all. That's what it's all about. So find, belong, grow. We grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first step in our grow and here at Christian Life is growth track. If you've not gone through growth track, that is your next step. Uh, two weeks ago, two Sundays ago, we had, I believe it was six or seven complete growth track here at Christian Life. And we're thankful. We're thankful for those. Let's give them a hand so that we can serve, serve and make a difference and doesn't just make a difference in us or, or others. It'll make a difference in you when you serve. And ultimately, when we're involved and, and, and doing what God has called us to do, that is when we feel the most fulfillment. So you, you need to get uh, uh, to serving and doing what you can for the kingdom of God. For our days are short. Our days are short, folks. The coming of the Lord is, is at hand, and uh, the Bible does teach that. And Sometimes we get so disconnected in our regular everyday life that, that uh, we forget that there's a real heaven and there's a real hell. And uh, one of those two places you will make your destination. Uh, your soul lives forever. Live forever one of those places. And, and, and accept the redeemed, accept the regenerated, accept the, the saved, then, then you're not going to like the de destination that that leads to. And uh, we want to get as many people as we can born again of the water and the spirit, as many people as we can um, repented and received remission of sins by the power and the saving name of Jesus Christ and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of his grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. Regardless of whether you have a bad day or a good day, the common factor there and the, the common thing is, is that we need the Lord. 
We need the Lord. We need the grace of God. We need his strength. We need his power. We can't do it without him. Somebody say amen. Amen. Could you lift your hands right now all across this place and just, just ask for the Lord's strength, ask for the Lord's touch, ask him to help us today and speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Lord, we love you so much. We're thankful, God, for your goodness, for your love, your mercy. Hallelujah. Your strength, your truth endureth forever. Your mercies are renewed every Every single morning, I pray right now, God, that through your holy word that you would speak to every heart, to every mind, that you bring encouragement here today. You just do what you want to do in this house. We'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise that's due your holy, matchless name. And somebody say amen, amen, amen. Around the turn of the 20th century, Russian psychologist and physician named Ivan Pavlov formed some groundbreaking experiments that won him a Nobel Prize. I know they used to teach this in, in public school, and I asked every one of my kids, even, even the college student, if they knew it and, and had recognized it, and not a single one of them had, had been taught it in school. Not a single one of them. You teach it in your school? No, neither. College, yeah. Well, I think I got it in, in, in either junior high or, or high school. But nonetheless, this may be new for some of you. It may not be. A Russian psychologist, physician named Ivan Pavlov, performed groundbreaking uh, experiments and won the Nobel Prize. It's, it's, uh, uh, dogs naturally salivate for food, and, and you know this. If you have a, a larger dog and, and, and you get the food bowl out and, and you, know, you shake it up a little bit, man, they get all excited and, and um, start salivating and even drooling and, and such because they... They, they're, they're ready for that food. So it's a natural occurrence. But Pavlov wanted to see if salvation could be caused by another stimuli, by another stimulus. And as, as you may remember uh, this, and as I said, some of you may not have because maybe, maybe they didn't all teach it in school. But, but uh, he conditioned the dogs. He conditioned them. Every time he got ready to feed them, he would ring a bell. He'd ring that bell, and then he'd set that food out. He'd ring that bell, and then he'd set that food out. He'd ring that bell, and then he'd set that food out. And what that did was that trained the dog to know that every time they heard that bell, what would happen? They would get food. Therefore, they would start to salivate. So ringing the bell actually was the trigger, the trigger for them after they learned what, what it actually was doing. And, and, and without the food, they could ring the bell and suddenly those dogs would begin to salivate because it, it caused a, a, a natural stimulus. It, it was enough. They didn't have to see the food. They didn't have to smell the food. The food didn't even have to come. If you rang the bell, suddenly there would be a reaction. So Pavlov referred to this learned relationship as a conditioned Reflex. It was a conditioned reflex. It was a learned reflex. It was something that he taught them. Or even if they didn't know they were being taught, there was a reflex to the ringing of the bell that made something happen. To one degree or another, all of us, all of us, every single one of us have conditioned reflexes. We have conditioned reflexes. We've been consciously and subconsciously conditioned our entire lives, and much of our behavior is dictated by those conditioned reflexes. There are things you do because something happened long ago that conditioned 
your behavior and conditioned your response. Over the course of our lifetime, we acquire an elaborate repertoire of conditioned reflexes, some as minor as idiosyncrasies such as a nervous laugh or, or a half smile or even a biting of, of the bottom lip. Others major uh, personality traits. A, a critical person is often born out of psychological insecurity and we, we criticize and others what we do not like about ourselves. Some condition reflexes are as natural as, and normal as a blush when, when, when one is um, embarrassed or, or maybe not feeling very comfortable. Others are as destructive as drinking to drown uh, your sorrows. But whether big or whether small, whether conscious or subconscious, harmless or harmful, one thing is for certain. We are far more conditioned than we realize. We are far more conditioned than we realized. And part of our spiritual growth is recognizing how we have been conditioned and then allowing God to recondition the reflexes that need to change in our lives. So, so when we sin, guilt is a healthy and a holy Reflex. You get guilt, and that guilt will bring you to, to repentance. Thank God for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that drives us to repentance. But some condition reflexes are like psychological straitjackets that immobilize us emotionally and relationally and spiritually. False guilt is a great example of such. The moment we confess our sins to God, our sins are forgiven and forgotten. Somebody thank the Lord for that. The moment that we confess our sins to God, our sins are forgiven and forgotten. Hebrews 8 and 12 says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. But for most of us, for most of us, it's easier to accept God's forgiveness than it is uh, to forgive ourselves. Because we can forgive, uh, we might be able to forgive sometimes, but unlike God, we cannot forget. We cannot forget. And he said that their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. But somehow you remember them and you remember your mistakes we cannot forget if we don't allow the grace of God to saturate and to sanctify our sinful memories we continue to experience the false guilt over even confessed and forgiven sins we become so fixated on past mistakes that we forfeit future opportunities we feel that we've disqualified ourselves and our feelings of guilt become the cage that imprisons us. And we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 22 and verse 54 and see someone that, that this was kind of uh, relating to here. Seizing him, they led Jesus away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter, the character we're talking about, followed at a distance. The King James says he followed from 
afar. He still was in the presence or at least uh, uh, being able to see Jesus from where it was at, but he was following from afar. No longer was he right next to him. No longer was he right uh, beside him, but now he was following from a distance. He was following from afar. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. He's trying to stay close to Jesus, at least close enough not to be noticed by others, but, but still have Jesus in his sight. And folks, that's where a lot of people struggle. They, they, they want some form of Jesus. They want Jesus in their life to some extent, but they don't want to be close enough to where they're distinguished that they're one of them, that to where people can point them out and say, you know what, uh, they're a follower of him. He wanted to stay there. He wanted to see. He wanted a part of it. But he followed from afar, and he's warming his hands in a fire there in the courtyard. Peter's sitting down with them, sitting down with the enemies of Jesus. And a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight, and she looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. She began to recognize him and began to see that maybe he was one that was a follower of Jesus and said, this man was with him. But he denied it, woman, I do not know him and he said and a little later someone else saw him and said you also are one of them and he recognized him as well and said hold on you're you're one you're one of them and Peter replied man I am not and about an hour later another asserted certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean and Peter replied man I don't know what you're talking about and just as he was speaking at the very moment, because Jesus before had said, uh, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, never me, Lord. No, I'll go with you to prison. I'll go with you to death. I will never deny you and so also said the other disciples but here we are in the midst and Jesus knows the end from the beginning and it's happening just as Jesus had declared it and here this third time he said I don't know what you're talking about and just as he was speaking the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter and he made eye contact with Peter then Peter remembered the word of the Lord that had been spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. And the Bible says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. He went out and he wept bitterly. I wonder if Peter felt a, a bit of guilt every time from that day that he heard that rooster crow every time when that rooster would give that alarm a signal in the very early morning and even the breaking of dawn and it would cock-a-doodle-doo if people, Peter would rise and think, oh, I did it. I, I, I failed the Lord. Look at the terrible mess I've made of my life. Have you noticed the way different stimuli trigger different things? and different memories in your own life, just different things, maybe different smells that you walk into a store, you walk into a, a room or whatever it is and some type of scent and it brings some type of stimuli and a memory back maybe to your childhood or maybe your, 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 your uh, uh, college days or, or, or whatever. Or maybe, maybe it's a sound, maybe it's a song that, that is playing and, and suddenly it, it, it triggers you back to, to some thought or some memory memory of, of times, times ago, seemingly insignificant sights and sounds and smells can evoke power 
powerful memories. Whenever you hear a certain song and you flash back to, to a certain time or a certain setting or a certain experience. For me, it was the sound of tires rolling on over gravel. And then I'm transported across time and space to a place in a small country town where as a child I would ride a go-kart in dukes of hazard fashion yelling out and, and waving my arm up in the air. When I hear those tires on gravel roads, my mind thinks of that. Other things remind me of different things, smells of food, smells of, uh, of, of that, that wonderful smell of bacon cooking in the mornings. Transports my mind back to wonderful, wonderful memories. You have them. You have them both positive and negative. Negative and positive as well. I wonder if... A, Rooster's crow had the same kind of effect on Peter. It would transport his mind back to what had transpired and what he had done. He let Jesus down when Jesus needed him most. And I've got to think that sound triggered something in his brain. It had a condition reflex effect on Peter and every time a rooster crowed Peter was right back in his cage of guilt imprisoned by what he had done for the majority today it's an iPhone's alarm or maybe sometimes it's the garbage truck picking up picking up trash out in the early morning or it's your neighbor's yapping dog that wakes wakes you up there are some here today that, that hear that maybe you do hear a rooster crowing. It's not going to be many, but I know there might, be, there might be a handful. Giving way to its eternal clock to mark his territory with a call to others, an awakening call early in the morning. Imagine what it must have been like for Peter to wake up to a rooster's crow every single morning. Every single morning, a reminder of what he had done. What a way to start a day, a daily reminder of his greatest failure. A daily reminder of how he had failed the Lord. Scripture says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and his tactics have not changed uh, since the Garden of Eden. He wants to remind you of your greatest failures over and over and over again. Because if you focus all your energy on past failures, uh, you'll have no energy left uh, to pursue kingdom purposes in your life. Satan wants to turn you into a reactionary. Jesus came to recondition your spiritual reflexes with his grace to renew your mind every single day. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Listen, it's much easier to act like a Christian than it is to react like one. It's easy to act like one. It's easy to put on. It's easy when, when things aren't going bad or there isn't some type of, 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 of excitement that draws you to a reactionary time. It's easy to act like a Christian, but it's much harder 
to react like one. Most are good actors. They can play the part. But our reactions reveal who we really are. Our reactions reveal what's really on the inside. When you have to react to something or you react in a way, it shows who you really are. And maybe that is why Jesus focused so much of his teachings on reconditioning reflexes. He's reconditioning. He's trying to reprogram. He's trying to uninstall some things that are there and reinstall over those things uh, some new things and some new concepts and some better way of living. He said, pray for those who persecute you. He said, love your enemies. Before, they were programmed so much to to hate their enemies, to fight against those uh, that are doing them wrong. But Jesus says, no, that's not the way to go about it. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies, he says. Bless those who curse you. Some folks need to, need to think about that because our minds are, are reactionary. Somebody does something bad to you, what do you do? You want to go back and react. You react in the same way that they've done it to you. But Jesus said, no, 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 that's the old way of living. The new way of living is you don't react like that. You react like I do. You let Christ shine through you. Bless those that curse you. If somebody forces you to go one mile, you didn't want to go that one mile, and you're glad that one mile is over, and and it seems so burdensome to, to go with them for one mile, and you just want to go on home and get your business going back to what what it used to be. But Jesus said, No, no, no. If they want you to go one mile with them, go with them too. He's saying go beyond even what they're asking. He's not, it doesn't matter if you want to or not. If, if they want you to go one, you go with them two. He's trying to reprogram how you react. Not just acting like a Christian, but reacting like one. Somebody says one mile, you go with them. Two. And, and then here's the big one. If someone strikes you on the cheek... What do you do? You react and, and, and you go to boom, boom. You hit them on one side and then on the other. That's the way sometimes we feel like reacting. But Jesus said, no, somebody hits you on the cheek. You know how you react? You turn the other one and offer the other cheek to them as well. What's Jesus doing here? He's saying, you've got some reflexes here. You're conditioned this way, but I'm transforming you to live another way. Not as the world lives, but I want you to live like me. Matthew 5, 39 through 41 and 44 and Luke 6, 27 and 28 talks about these things. You know that it was once said this, but I say unto you. You know that you, you, you set an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Pray for them that persecute you. What's he doing here? He's changing the way you react. He's changing your Reactions. He's reconditioning your reflexes. What is the natural reaction when somebody 
jumps on you or, or, or attacks you verbally. It's, it's, it's usually to attack back or jump back on them. But Jesus said, no, that's not the way I want you to do it. You turn the other cheek. You pray for those. You love them. Is there somebody in your life who brings out the worst in you? Or maybe it's someone who gets on your nerves or under your skin. Jesus says, pray for them. Pray for them. Nothing reconditions our spiritual reflexes like prayer. Start praying for the difficult people in your life. Pray for them. Try it. Pray for the difficult people in your life. And it will change the way you feel about them. It will recondition the way you feel about it. Jesus prayed for Peter in Luke 22, 31. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith fail not. Praying, praying to forgive others doesn't just make you feel better about them. It keeps you on your path to spiritual success and spiritual growth. You pray for for them most of us are good at loving people when everything is going great most of us are good at loving uh, others who love us back it's easy to do that it's easy to do that but Jesus is trying to recondition us or change the way we we react not just love those that love you back but love those that don't love you back Love those that don't treat you the way you want to be treated. Fulfilling the for better part of marriage vow is is pretty easy. But the for worse part, it's that one that gets us every time. Because why? Because we are reactive. Our greatest regrets are often our worst reactions. Our greatest regrets are are often our worst reactions. But, but God never reacts out of character. God never does. If he did, we'd be wiped out. We'd be no longer here. But he is rich in mercy and he is rich in grace. And somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Is there someone in your life you need to forgive? There's someone in your life that you're holding on to some type of a grudge or some type of unforgiveness. I have no idea who it is. I have no idea how he or she may have hurt you. But Jesus told us to forgive 70 times 7. Do it because it is the right thing to do. But beyond that, forgiveness is a way that we unplug from the past. We don't live in it. We unplug from it. And if you want to unplug from it... The best thing you can do is forgive. So many people are prisoners uh, to one or two or maybe three experiences in their past. Uh, Prisoners to those things. uh, And they constantly look back at that. uh, And they constantly relive out in their minds those one, two, or three uh, experiences. Listen, a tiny seed of bitterness turns into a forest of unforgiveness. One tiny seed of bitterness uh, turns into a forest of unforgiveness. uh, And what so many people fail to realize is that their unforgiveness uh, doesn't hurt the person who hurt them. 
holding on to that doesn't do anything to that person that has hurt you. It simply compounds the pain in your own heart. It hurts you. Who do you need to forgive? Who is it that you're holding on bitterness to? By definition, it will not be somebody who deserves it. They don't deserve to be forgiving. It wouldn't be grace if they deserved it. But if you have the courage to forgive them, it will not set them free. It will set you free. Forgiveness sets you free. And it will recondition your heart in the process. I'm not sure what mistakes you might have made. I, I, I don't know what memories or mistakes are etched in your brain, but I do know this. God has never given up on you. God has never given up on you. Jesus wasn't about to give up on Peter, but he did know that Peter might give up on Peter. Jesus wasn't going to give up on Peter, but P Jesus did know that Peter might give up on Peter, and that's our problem, giving up on ourselves. Sometimes our confidence just wanes and, and just kind of goes out the back door because now we don't think that we can do it and we give up on ourselves. Too many mistakes in the past. Too many times I tried and I failed. Too many times I didn't get it right, and we give up on ourselves. Peter's impulsiveness led to a lot of moments of vulnerability in his life. And when the religious mob came to arrest Jesus, it was Peter, true to his word, Lord, I'll go with you to prison. Lord, I'll go with you to death. I'll never deny you. And when the mob came to get Jesus that night in the garden and they'd been praying, they'd been praying, and Peter might have been sleeping a little bit, but Jesus come and wake him up and said, could you not wait and watch for an hour? Don't worry now, sleep on for here they are. The, the betrayer has come. And, and when they came and when they got Jesus, you know what Peter did? Peter was true to his word. Peter draws out a sword and he swings that sword. He goes to fighting. He goes to doing what was in his heart. Cuts off the ear of Malchus, the, 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 the high priest's servant. And Jesus said, put up your sword. They that live by the sword shall also die by the sword. And often, often just kind of passed over and just kind of read it and think it's cool, but, but not really going into depth and really thinking about what he did. But Jesus reached down because he cut off the ear of the servant's high priest, Peter did. Standing true to his word, fighting for Jesus. Willing to do what he said, go with you to prison, but I'll never deny you. That's what he said. Jesus picked up the ear that had been severed from the head, and he put it back on. It was done. He put the ear that Jesus had cut off, or that Peter had cut off. Jesus had taken it, put it back, and it was done. Was there a scar left? Probably not. Was there any indication that Peter had done wrong there? No. Jesus wiped it away. Jesus changed, changed that situation. What courage Peter showed there. But look what, look what actually happened. If the ear stays on the ground, who knows? Maybe the guy bleeds to death. I don't know. But Peter was in a world of trouble. He was in a world of legal trouble. 
Worst case scenario, attempted murder. First degree. He had intention. He had intention of doing it. Best case scenario, Peter would get charged with assault and battery with a deadly weapon. But either way, Peter was going to jail. He was going to be punished. We tend to ignore this angle of the story, probably due to the awesomeness of Jesus reaching down and reattaching the ear. Jesus miraculously reversed the irreversible. But he did more than heal someone who had come to crucify him. He also destroyed the evidence against Peter. The evidence that would have imprisoned Peter, Jesus canceled it all out. He destroyed the evidence. Think about it. Malchus files suit against Peter, and the stenographer captures the cross-examination, and Malchus says, Peter, cut off my ear. The judge says, which ear? Malchus says, my right one. Judge walks over the witness stand, examines the ear, and says, it looks fine to me. The case gets thrown out of court for lack of evidence. There's no evidence against you, Peter. You may have done it, but there's no evidence against you. Through his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus destroyed the evidence that is against us. But he did more than that. Not only did our sins get paid for out of his account, but all of his righteousness gets credited to our account. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It was like Jesus says, you give me all of your sin and I'll give you all of my righteousness and we'll call it even. What a deal, folks. What a deal. Come on, somebody give him a hand clap. You know what the first and the second condition reflexes in humanity are? Conditioned reflexes. I know this from the word. Do you remember Adam, uh, what he did after he ate uh, from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? For the first time in his life, uh, Adam had a reaction. He was reactionary. He hid from God. Hiding after sinning is the first condition reflex recorded in Scripture. He hid. It was a reflex. It was a condition reflex. And not much has changed. We try to hide our sin. And we end up in a cage of guilt. It's a conditioned. Blaming is the second condition. He went from hiding to then blaming. And he cast the blame off to the woman. He cast the blame off to God. The woman cast the blame off to the devil. They were blaming. That's another condition reflex. Not accepting the responsibility on our own, but always putting it off. Putting it off on the situation. Putting it off on somebody else. Finding something to blame for the situation it's a conditioned reflex having to get your act together before you come to God is like suggesting you have to get healthy before you go see a doctor every one of us have something conditioned in our life but God wants to recondition us he wants to make us better he wants to make us more like him After his denial, Peter said, I'm going fishing. John chapter 21. He said, I go fishing. Of course, the disciples followed him and went as well. 
And I suppose it's possible that Peter just wanted to go fishing. It was something he liked to do, but part of me wonders if post-denial Peter thought his career as a disciple was done. His career as a disciple was now over. He failed. Jesus needed him the most. He said, I don't know him. I don't know him. He swore with an oath, and I said, I tell you, I do not know the man. Maybe he felt like it was done. Keys to the kingdom, I threw them away. I lost the keys. Peter failed one too many times. What would you do? What would you have done? Peter said, I go fishing. Maybe Peter was thinking about going back to fishing for a living. Washing his nets. Catching fish. Be easier. And that's our natural inclination when we experience failure. To return back. To go back. To revert to our old ways. And Satan would have loved nothing more than for Peter to have spent the rest of his life in a fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee, away from people. As Jesus said, no longer shall you fish for fish, but I'll make you a fisher of men. Now they went back to fishing. Guilt has a shrinking effect on us. Shrinks us down. Post-denial, Peter had, had been living in his cage of guilt. Several weeks when he was recommissioned by post-resurrection Jesus. And the way it happened was no coincidence. Jesus is on the seashore, calls out to them in the boat, have you any fish? Children, have you any fish? No, we've caught nothing. Cast your net on the other side. And they did it, and they encompassed a great multitude of fishes disciple whom Jesus loves said it's Jesus Peter threw on his coat because he had taken it off threw on his coat and he jumped into the water made it up to the seashore and Peter in his imprisonment of his guilt Jesus doesn't scold him. Jesus doesn't. Peter, of all people, of anybody, thought I could trust you. I thought I could count on you. Peter, of all the others, had confidence in you. He doesn't say that to him. Peter's broken. And Jesus just looked at him and says to Peter, Simon, do you truly love me more than these? Of course, Peter responds, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, do you do you really, really love me? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you, you know 
you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then the third time, Simon, do you love me? Not getting into the different forms of the love or the word that, that was spoken there, but just, just the simple thing. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus asked this Peter the same question three times. Same question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It's possible that Jesus knew a little something about condition reflexes long before they studied the ringing the bell and the salivating of the dogs. Peter failed three times. Jesus recommissioned him three times. But that's not all. That's not all. You ever noticed when this took place? What time of the day was it? If you look at the very start of that chapter, it said very early in the morning. Early in the morning. Listen, folks. Jesus reconditioned Peter while the roosters were crowing. And from that moment forward, the rooster's crow was no longer a reminder of his failure that produced feelings of guilt and feelings of failure. It was a reminder of the recommissioning that produced feelings of gratitude. Jesus changed him. So what is the rooster's crow that sets off guilty feelings inside of you? Jesus wants to renew your mind today he wants to renew your mind you you are not what you did you are not what someone said negatively to you you are not what someone did to you and today Jesus wants to recondition let Jesus renew your mind this morning and allow reconditioning that the old way, that old attitude, that old reflex uh, and bring new life uh, back into your situation. Could we stand to our feet all across this house right now. And I wonder if we could, as the singers and musicians are making their way this way, I wonder if we could come with them and kind of gather around the front this morning and just allow God to touch our hearts and to touch our minds all over again and recondition us. Maybe some are a little too reactionary after the old man, after the old ways, and you're seeing some old things pop up, but you need God to touch you this morning and recondition your mind, recondition your spirit, renew your spirit in him this morning.
I wonder if we could just begin to cast our cares upon him, begin to talk to him all over this house right now, begin to ask him to touch us, begin to allow him to recondition, allow him to speak into our hearts and into our minds and begin to move and begin to reprogram as it would be and to, 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 to uninstall some of the old ways and to reinstall the new way, reinstall the way of life and his way in our hearts and in our minds this morning. Yes, yes, yes. You change everything, Lord. You change everything, Lord. Touch my heart. Touch my mind. Help me, oh God. You are not what you did yesterday. You are not that mistake or that failure that took place in your life. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Jesus can make a way where there seemeth to be no way. He can touch. He can recommission. He can recondition your and your mind this morning. Hope found here right now. Jesus, you change everything. Shades fall. I don't want to be imprisoned by my guilt of my past. I don't want to be by what I used to be. I want to be set free by the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus can change your heart. Jesus can change your mind. Jesus can renew you this morning. Right now, Jesus, you change everything. Yes, chains fall. out to him right now. Reach out to him right now. Yes, Lord. Here right now. Jesus, you change everything. Hallelujah. 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 Touch our hearts. Touch our minds. Renew us this morning, Lord. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, you change everything. Yes, chains fall, chains fall, fear bows. Hallelujah. Here right now, Lord, renew our minds, renew our hearts, renew our spirits. In the name of Jesus. Oh, I lean on you, Lord. I believe, Lord, 
Hallelujah. Come on. Come on, give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus, whatever it is right now. Whatever's got you depressed, whatever's got you discouraged, give it to him right now. Cast your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's in this place today. He is in this place today. You can have what you want from Jesus today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. There's hope in Jesus. Your past doesn't dictate your future. God is reconditioning you today. I pray right now that peace of the mind would come. Peace of the mind would come right now. In the name of Jesus, I wonder if we could, before we close, every hand lifted in this house. If we could just talk to him just for a moment in our own words and begin to thank him. Let's not think about our past any longer. God's getting ready to move you to a different dimension, to a new level, a new dimension this week. Old things are going to be in the past. Don't look behind you, but begin to move forward this week. In the name of Jesus, Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would go with your people this week, that you would have your way. God, that you would speak to us in the midnight hour, in our darkest hour this week, Lord, that you would just meet us there. God, when the enemy comes against us to try to remind us of our past, we ask you, Lord, that you would just put something in our mind that would get our focus upon you and the things of God and what you've done for us, Lord. We ask you, God, that you would give us favor this week as we go forward. Give us a boldness this week, Lord, as we let our test be our testimony and we speak to someone of the good news of Jesus Christ this week. And Father, I ask you in closing that you would just let healing flow right now, God. Healing of the mind, healing physically, healing spiritually in this place, Lord. I ask you, we thank you, Jesus, for forgiving us. We thank you for, for speaking to us, Lord. And we will be careful to give you praise and glory this week, God. And we will not forget all the benefits that you have for us. For we are a child of the King. We are, we are thankful for what you're going to do this week, God. We thank you for the answer that is coming. Amen. And I wonder if everybody could just clap your hands in thanksgiving and praise right now. He deserves it. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord today. Remember, next Sunday, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock services. Go this week and be blessed in the name of Jesus.
笑。